everyone. Welcome again to the Extra Point Podcast. My name is Todd Stiles. I'm one of the pastors here at First Family Church. Today is Tuesday, August 22nd. I'm really glad you've joined us for this episode. And of course, as we say just about every time, the Extra Point Podcast is designed to bring further application, uh, some deeper observation, some additional insight into the text from which we preached the previous week. And last week, we did preach from Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, somewhat of a culminating verse. We talked about it being the apex of a train of thought. Uh, We've mentioned it as like the mental peak of a hike. Um, So Philippians 4, 1 does stand out as a verse that looks backwards and forwards. It's a real hinge verse, not only to the section that begins in chapter 1, verse 27, but I think a real hinge verse for much of the book because it really gives us, in a nutshell, uh, the posture that becomes the process for being joyful. So I won't go into all of that. I think the message will speak to that. If you've not heard it yet, I would encourage you to check our website, go back and hear that. What I want to do on this episode is bring some additional insight into some phrases that we just didn't have time to discuss or address. I think we may have touched on them briefly. I may have even kind of alluded to them. Uh, Here, let me provide some additional insight. The first one is regarding the phrase, in the Lord. Now, we did mention that a little bit. However, I think it's intriguing that not only in other New Testament epistles does Paul use this phrase, But he uses it also here in another instance regarding Epaphroditus. So, for instance, he says to receive and welcome Epaphroditus in the Lord. The two things we mentioned yesterday uh, were these that Paul said to rejoice in the Lord. He also said to stand firm in the Lord. Uh, In Ephesians, Paul says to children, they're to obey their parents in the Lord. And and so this phrase, in the Lord, is a very interesting phrase that Paul uses. And here's how how I believe uh, Paul is is, uh, using it, and here's what I I think he's doing by this. He's connecting this to several, um, uh, can we call them situations or responsibilities or things that we're to do. And he's attaching this phrase uh, to make sure we understand that in everything we do, there is to be a gospel posture. That was one of the main things yesterday. In other words, the the real presence of Christ, the real authority of the Lord, the fact that we are saved by Jesus, um, his death, resurrection, um, this whole concept that uh, the gospel is where we start and where we stay, it should affect every single aspect of our life. The fact that we belong to the Lord, that we are in Christ that he has eternally changed uh, our position, that we are now citizens of heaven, um, that we will see him face to face and be in his presence, that we are in the Lord affects everything we do, whether it regards, let's talk to children for a moment, obeying our parents. Uh, children should realize and be aware that as a Christian, if they're a Christian, that as a follower of Jesus, how they obey their parents is to be done in a way that uh, as if they were obeying the Lord. Jesus is present. He's Lord. He's in authority in that situation. So obey your parents as unto the Lord or in the Lord or knowing that the Lord is the one ultimately that you're obeying when you obey your parents. The same thing is true regarding uh, how we welcome those who risk their lives for the gospel. 
when they return to our church, when they're sent out by our church um, and to another church, and they're partnering in that sense, uh, Epaphroditus' situation is an example. Um, one commentator says we're to uh, treat them as if uh, Christ himself were returning or coming to us. And he's not meaning they're to, we're to look at someone like they're Jesus. He's just saying the, uh, th- that there's an escalating factor because we're in the Lord, because we're in Christ. And so it should uh, warrant a greater attention and a greater hospitality. Um, the same thing goes for how we're to rejoice uh, for how we're to stand firm, all of these postures, all of these responsibilities, we can even say opportunities and situations, they, they change in the right sense in our perspective when we realize that, that all of them are connected uh, to what Christ has done for us. Uh, he's present. He's in charge. He's in authority. He is Lord of that situation. So let's do that not just in a horizontal fashion only. Let's realize there's a vertical aspect and do it as unto the Lord, in the Lord. He is present, and what we're doing matters greatly. And that is accomplished when we maintain and stay fixed or stand firm in our gospel posture. I'm convinced that standing firm in a gospel posture or standing firm in the Lord is the root um, posture that enables us to do everything else as unto the Lord or in the Lord, because we continually realize, we consistently fix our eyes on the uh, amazing transformative power of the gospel in our life, and it affects then our relationships, our responsibilities, our situations, our opportunities, and we do them, we interact with them, we engage with them in the Lord. That's the power um, of a gospel-centered posture. Allow me to move on now and just mention one more um, item that I think comes from this same phrase that I want to bring a little more insight into. It's this word clarity. I mentioned it briefly and talked about it um, at a higher level in the message on Sunday. I draw this also from the phrase in the Lord, and I mentioned to you, our church, that Paul's admonition, his imperative exhortation to stand firm in the Lord was a clarifying type of posture. In other words, we're not to stand firm in our own ideas or the culture's ideas. There's to be a clarity about our theological gospel stance. It's to be in the Lord. So there's a a, a definite um, reference point. And so we talked about the clarity needed theologically to remain fixed and to stand firm. So let me just talk a bit about the types of clarity that I think are helpful uh, for a follower of Jesus. I think, first of all, personal clarity uh, is very helpful. For instance, why do you exist and why are you on this planet? You know, uh, philosophers from, you know, centuries ago and ages past have asked these questions, you know, why am I here? Um, what is my purpose? Where am I going? How do I get here? These kinds of fundamental, even worldview questions. And I think personal clarity on things like this matters greatly because it brings direction, uh, contentment, focus to your life. Now, a word about personal clarity, because when I ask you, like, what is your purpose for living? Why are you here? And 
you know, why do you exist? There may be a lot of different answers. Let me provide a little bit of insight into what I think is a good approach to answering this question, because often we may think that our purpose uh, is involved perhaps in our occupation or what we do, but I would agree with the old um, confession, the old creed the it says, you know, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So really all of us, and this is, of course, based in 1 Corinthians 10 as well and other scriptures where the reason we actually exist is to bring glory to God, to glorify God. So that's the common reason among all of us. The way we do that can be different, and it can be different even within our lifetimes. For instance, um, someone may glorify God for a season, let's say as a um, uh, missionary. But that season ends if their whole existence is tied up into that role as a missionary. uh, They may think or sense that, well, I'm done glorifying God, and that's just not true. How they glorify God may change, but they're not going to quit glorifying God because that's really why they exist. And so We have to kind of keep these two distinctions in mind, that we exist for the purpose of glorifying God. How we do that can change from season to season. Uh, Age affects that. Opportunities affect that. Uh, Callings affect that. You can mention some other things. I just want to encourage you to have some personal clarity about why you exist and then how you will accomplish the why in a specific season of your life. Also, would encourage you to have personal clarity even on certain issues. Uh, I would mean here non-negotiable issues. You know what you know the Bible teaches about marriage, um, the sexual ethic, gender, those types of things. And then, of course, there are some negotiable, or we could say, preferential issues. Where do you land on some of those? And in areas where we can disagree because maybe there's no specific Bible verse, either a command or prohibition about it. Uh, Let's have grace for each other. But here's what I would encourage you, even in that grace where we can admit and say, hey, we can differ on this, or I see it differently than you. I I would encourage you not to be fuzzy about where you land on some of these preferential issues. Clarity is actually kindness. And so even in areas where we can have different opinions, Don't be afraid to form one and land there and know why you land there. Um, I think personal clarity really helps with direction, focus, uh, perspective, contentment, and aiming um, your efforts and your energies toward actually accomplishing something and not just wandering with an A, wandering about aimlessly, um, you know, for the years God has given you on this earth. So personal clarity, I think, is a really important matter. I also think that corporate clarity is helpful. And what I mean by this specifically is clarity in the body of Christ that um, you belong to and that you're investing your energies and resources into. Um, Where are you and your church, um, you know, aligning and agreeing and and really working together? I would uh, really seek a lot of great clarity in that relationship Um, I think I'll use our situation here as an example. Uh, While within a church, there's lots of areas, no doubt, that we can see as preference and and defer to each other and consider other people's, um, you know, uh, interests before our own. Those are biblical principles and postures we should adopt. Um, 
in our situation here, we have adopted uh, overall, like in a large fashion, uh, the pursuit of a multiplying environment uh, to establish and to continue um, pursuing a sending type of culture where we plant churches, we want to establish campuses in rural areas, uh, we want to send partners into least access areas around the globe. And so there is a pervasive type of sending mentality that we've been pursuing uh, vigorously for a number of years. I would say since we started, I think we've gotten more traction in the last 12 or so. But that's just kind of part of our culture. Uh, We want it to even embed itself in a deeper fashion. It affects uh, how we staff. It affects, um, you know, how we structure. Uh, So much of our um, culture is about making sure that we continually emphasize multiplication, sending, um, reproducing spiritually. And so on that note, I would say, where, where, where do you line up with, uh, in regards to like multiplication and sending in an environment where reproducing is expected and, and um, really pursued? If, per se, um, that was not a high priority, but you were in a church where it was, there could be some misalignment. Uh, you, you may kind of feel like a fish out of water. And so that's an example of where you want to really seek corporate clarity. And so it may be some other areas. It may be, um, you know, different types of, of um, situations where maybe you and your church are, are maybe um, misfiring. Sit down with leaders. Uh, sit down with those who are in those areas and just talk through things in a, uh, you know, real uh, relationally honest and um, inviting kind of format and just talk through things and gain corporate clarity. And here's why that matters, because the Bible says that can two walk together unless they be agreed? And the rhetorical question there begs the answer, no. So at some level for you and your church to really make the kind of progress together as partners, and that's what Philippians is all about, isn't it? The joy of gospel partnership, for you to make the right kind of progress together with investments um, spiritually, eternally, outreach, impact, discipleship, growth, all those things, there has to be a certain level of clarity and agreement. So seek it corporately as well with the faith family that you're involved with. And then I think the last type of clarity I think is very important is cultural clarity. In this, um, uh, you know, uh, society in which we live, it is amazing that how ambiguity uh, has actually become, for the culture at least, clarity. I, I'm amazed at this because it's paradoxical. It's, it's, um, it's in my opinion, uh, insanity that you can suddenly, for instance, say that there is a spectrum of genders, so they're trying to be clear that you can't really pin down what somebody is. I think that's the opposite of clarity. In fact, I read recently that there are approximately, this is according to this source, over 50 gender positions or types. So I think we're moving further away from clarity (laughs) in the culture, Uh, and that's just one example. The Bible's clear there are two genders. And so you can pick your issue the culture right now, you know, tries to bring clarity on. The truth is, generally speaking, when the culture is involved in trying to establish clarity, what usually happens is ambiguity because they're trying to make sure everyone's happy. They don't want to 
say something is right or wrong. They won't. They don't want to say, well, this is in, this is out. And so in this effort to be as inclusive as possible, and that comes from um, removing any kind of absolute standard or authority, and that's something for another podcast. But because of that, then we actually don't have cultural clarity. We have cultural ambiguity. And who knows what's right or wrong. It could change from day to day, month to month. And in that kind of situation, I want to prod you and encourage you towards cultural clarity and to be unashamedly willing and courageously bold in your stance on what the Bible teaches in these uh, really important issues, such as gender, such as parental authority, such as uh, the right to life and um, you know the issue of abortion. We could list a number of these things. They do seem to raise their head in a more emphatic way every election cycle. But it's an opportunity for us as God's people not to join in the um, ambiguous conversation, but to ring a bell of clarity on such important matters, marriage, children, um, authority, uh, even government authority such as the police, um, the, the responsibility of government to protect those who do good, to punish those who do evil from Romans 13. So you could list a number of issues. I would encourage you, go to your Bible and develop some cultural clarity so that you're not joining the throng of those who live in the desert of ambiguity. Uh, it's the surest place to die. <laughs> um, and I just, I just want to encourage you. I find it very helpful when facing certain issues to go to the Bible and say, what does the Bible say? And then that's where I'll land. And really, that's what we're doing in all of these areas. That's what a gospel posture is. It's saying, what does the Bible say? What has God revealed in his word? Where that's clear, where that's uh, non-negotiable, that's where I'll plant my feet. And all of that starts with the gospel, because Christ has come. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world. He lived he died and was raised again. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that this body of beliefs about who Christ is and what Christ has done, he says that's the gospel, and he says that's the good news by which you are saved. And so on that, we set our feet. We plant our stance. We stay put on that truth, and that's the staying and starting point for every other position that we hold as well that the Bible's crystal clear on, that we can't budge on. So I just want to encourage you as you think about clarity and what it means to be in the Lord and then to live out opportunities and in your relationships and to conduct your responsibilities in the Lord, all of this clarity, all of these um, opportunities, responsibilities, they come from a gospel posture. So I want to encourage you today, stand firm in the Lord. Don't budge, don't move, uh, stay true to God and His Word, and He will see you all the way safely home to the end.